Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to The Whole View. I'm Stacey Toth of realeverything.com. I'm all about loving the skin you're in and being healthy inside and out. And I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne of thepaleomom.com. I believe that scientific literacy is the key to improving public health. Welcome back to The Whole View. This week, we're resharing a topic that is important to me. Not that they're not all important to all of us, <laughs> but... <laughs> I mean, wait, I care. Hang I, on. <laughs> I mean, my personal experience with ADHD is a little different than yours mm. and has certainly evolved over the past 10 years. Um, I know we have had two shows previously where we invited my oldest son, Cole, who has ADD. Um, The way they designate these now is a little bit different, but his attention disorder does not include hyperactivity. That's the difference between them. His attention disorder does not include hyperactivity, and that's the difference between kind of the ADD, ADHD umbrella, for those that are not familiar. And um, oftentimes people think of ADHD when they think of ADD kids in general, but a lot of them aren't running around pacing like my youngest child who has ADHD. Um, It manifests as an inability to pay attention for a different variety of things. So um, the way that we were able to handle Coles is different than the way that we needed to handle Wesley's, my youngest. Um, And certainly over the last year in a global pandemic with virtual e-school and being a parent who was mostly here by myself all day as Matt worked long hours in the central worker, um, that became a different journey for me. And one of the things that um, really manifested is this idea that medication is not a failure. And I think that early on in those earlier shows, 145, 185 with Cole, there was definitely um, a thought on my part that though we say medication isn't a failure all the time on this show, um, I certainly believed that not medicating was better, or at least it made me a better parent to be able to avoid it. And um, I'm realizing 
now more than ever um, with the realizations that Sarah, you and I have talked about over the last year, also combining with um, seeing it manifest in a different child in a different way and all that kind of stuff that like a medical condition is just that. And no matter how hard we paleo or Nutrivore or um, no matter what the efforts we make lifestyle wise, um, we also talked about it on the melatonin show, um, right? Like different kinds Mm -hmm. of things like that. No matter how hard or how many efforts we do, it doesn't change a genuine health condition for our children. And you know, what happened in 2021 is I realized how extreme Wesley's case was and how it was affecting his wellness. And I could see that he wasn't in control of his body. I could see that he wasn't happy. Um, and it was affecting his life negatively. And we tried all the things you and I talked about and revisited additional things. And, you know, I made all these efforts and I just kept being like, I need to have more patience. I need to do this. And frankly, we waited too long. I, I cannot even tell you how difficult it was. Um, and then kind of the light bulb switch of, getting medication that worked for him um, and seeing him less anxious, less angry, more attentive and in control and how that affected his overall well-being, um, mental and physical. And so, you know, I wanted to talk about and revisit these shows, but also with the update that, you know, your situation may require medicating, whether it's ADHD for you or your child, or whether it's, you know, thyroid. And we've talked about that a lot on the show or different kinds of things, right? And what I realized is that it doesn't make me a worse or better mom to avoid medication. What I realize now is that it's made me a better mother to realize that I needed to help him be his best and that that might be a decision that I didn't want to make, but needed to make. Does that make sense? I mean, completely. And I think, you know, one of the things that I really want to crystallize for our listeners, because I think it can be really challenging to reconcile a really like strong instinctual desire to you know, do everything naturally. And we put so much effort into, um, you know, choosing healthier foods, which involves, you know, shopping and preparing them at home. And, um, you know, sometimes it means um, making a choice that, that feels like deprivation in the moment, even if we can have really healthy self-talk about how we're nourishing our bodies around it. There's some effort and dedication that goes into eating a healthy diet. There's dedication and effort that goes into living an active lifestyle, prioritizing sleep. Prioritizing sleep is one of the things that um, is probably, I feel more different from my like mom peers because my kids go to bed early and I go to bed early than I do for eating differently. Like that one thing really makes our family stand out. The fact that sleep is a huge priority for us. Managing stress requires effort. Um, Positive social connections require effort. And, and I, 
I really, I mean, I've, I've lived this journey as well, where, um, I wanted all of that effort to be the only thing that I needed to completely regain all of my health and basically have everything be like magic sunshine and roses. And I think it's really challenging when, especially when we come to, um, sort of health conscious wellness communities through a bad experience with conventional medicine, through not feeling heard, through taking um, you know so much time to get a diagnosis, to being accused of being a hypochondriac, right? Like the the number of us that have traumatizing experiences associated with conventional medicine is unfortunately too high, and and that and it also you know, covers a wide right range of experiences. There's a lot of shades of, of, uh, experiences within that umbrella. And so it's, I think it can be really tough to accept that conventional medicine, pharmaceuticals, surgical intervention has a place. It is an amazing tool when we can be informed consumers of those products um, which means having a relationship with our healthcare professionals that involves mutual respect, right? So sometimes what this involves is like finding a doctor who actually listens. And sometimes that can also feel like a really frustrating journey. But I want to sort of, I want to sort of bring to this like main point that I know that we've mentioned um, many, many times on the show before, but I really don't think that we can repeat enough which is that there is a time and a place for medication, for supplements, for alternative medicine treatments, especially when they're science-backed. Um, and doing the work of diet and lifestyle doesn't mean that we negate the need for medical intervention, but needing medical intervention does not let us off the hook for still continuing to make healthy diet and lifestyle choices. The goal is to achieve and maintain our best health for the rest of our lives. That requires using all of the best tools at our disposal, which is diet and lifestyle and medicine, both functional, alternative, conventional, complementary. All of those have a role in, um, in supporting our health for our entire lives. I couldn't agree more. And I'm glad that you brought up, um, you know, some of those interventions. We are going to reshare some of them for you um, as part of our revisiting of what we think of as, I don't know, we're going to call them like key shows or important shows. We kind of stumbled the first time yeah, we, we did this. really haven't. And, and then we didn't think Still didn't at nail all it down. in between of what the, what the, it's got to have a name though. It's got to be a uh, show. I don't know. Let's not I don't know, stumble but we do about need, it while people we wait. We do need to do. We do need to do the sound effect though, as we as we go back in and time. Matt probably did already figure that out. But before, I believe I believe it was us. Before we go back in time, what I thought would be helpful is, you know, we're gonna revisit all those lifestyle things that. Um, measures we took that were effective with coal um, and that definitely helped with Wesley. So I think what is interesting and what I want to revisit is this idea of 
once you have a medical practitioner that you trust and that you feel comfortable with, um, talking about the different sort of lifestyle factors with them and also medication options, which I do want to revisit um, at the end of the show. Sarah's playing some science for me, selfishly, <laughs> um, <laughs> because I I made assumptions that were wrong about the medication that I assumed would need to be taken. And there are a lot of different options that I wish that I had known about earlier. So I want to revisit all the great science that we talked about from the lifestyle perspective and the different things that we can do to support. Um, in our case, that was helpful for Cole, um, but that we needed additional support for with Wesley. And so that education, I think, understanding how they work um, will help also make an informed decision on what might be right for your child. So um, Sarah is going to share some new science. Say that three times fast um, (laughs) with us at the end of the show to kind of like walk through additional things that we didn't mention um, in these Keystone shows Keystone. <laughs> that we um, are pulling together for Important. you here. Yeah. Revisit worthy. Something like that. All right. Ready for the sound effect? So I think we are, we're going to go into an interview with Cole, but this is not the first time that we've interviewed a young child on the podcast and given the complexities of you know asking questions and kind of how that can be confusing for a kid I think maybe what we can what I can do is offer kind of my perspective on a lot of this stuff and of course you'll hear from Cole but I think that what is important is to for me in this whole show is to focus on paleo is not a panacea and you know for the past year it has been a struggle in our family and something that we haven't been talking about because I didn't think it was appropriate there comes a point where your kids are your own people and they're old enough and we talked with Cole and he didn't feel comfortable talking about something that was really personal and hard for him until we were like way over the hump and he felt really good about it and so now he's he's comfortable talking about it but even now you know we had kind of pre-conversation about what he felt comfortable um discussing and what he didn't feel comfortable discussing and and I want to be really respectful of him in that capacity but I, I think what's you know important for me is to say like our family has been paleo five years we've had our five-year anniversary and it was three years into that five-year anniversary when we started having problems and it was not related to food and you'll you'll hear I think that dairy is one of the things that we tried to be more strict on because it was one of the things that we had problems with in the beginning and then we reintroduced uh, butter and occasional dairy consumption and for a long time that was part of our paleo template and then we were having these problems and I was like oh maybe it's you know I was actually very insistent that it was dairy and Matt was like it's not (laughs) 
And so we did, you know, N equals one experiments with taking it out and then, you know, kind of having formal reintroduction of just minor amounts of dairy. And we didn't see any change in the behavior problems that we were having in either way. And so, you know, for me, being in a paleo movement where so many people within the community um, feel very strongly that, you know, well, if you just paleo hard enough, then all of your problems will be solved. Um, that's not the case. And sometimes there are other things, lifestyle factors that go into that equation that I think are, are really important to consider. And beyond that, there can also just be a genetic disposition or a type of problem that maybe is helped with those things but can't be solved by it. And and my husband, Matt, is a really good example of that. Um, he has had ADHD since he was a kid. He was on medication, and when we went paleo, he actually reduced his medication. He went from two pills a day, seven days a week, to one pill a day, five days a week when he needs to be kind of focused on the kids and blog work and, and all that kind of stuff. But going off of that medication is incredibly difficult and painful for his body, which has been on it his whole life. And so I just, I, I want to be really honest with people. And I know that there's going to be some people who are uncomfortable with the information that we're sharing. Um, and Sarah, I think that the science that you're offering in this podcast is, is really helpful, but I'm hoping that people are kind of open-minded to this idea that there are other things that you can do when the going gets tough and that, you know, for those people who say that they're, they're trying, you know, we were really trying for a really long time and not having success. And we finally kind of had some breakthroughs in our own experimentation. And, you know, we're, we're happy to share those with you now because it's a, it's a, it's a success story. It's a happy story at the moment, but that's not to say that, you know, it wasn't without its, its trials and tribulations and struggles over the last, basically since third grade when the dynamic of the classroom changed. Um, and for Cole, that meant that he wasn't able to stand up in class anymore. And, and everybody's classrooms and everybody's school districts are different. Um, ours is a really, really wonderful school that um, was willing to work with not just Cole, but a lot of children who have um, these kind of tendencies because, let's face it, these kinds of environments have gotten different, difficult and different since we were younger and our parents were younger and you know there's a lot less play and a lot less um, standing and a lot more requirement to focus and sit and read and study and when that happened in the third grade because of standardized tests and the requirements for them it immediately resulted in both personal struggles and um, struggles with his grades and his schoolwork and so we have worked really hard on a number of different things since then. And, um, I mean, I'm happy to discuss some of, some of what worked and some of what we tried that didn't necessarily work. What do you think, Sarah? I think that would be really good. I think to me, I think it's, it's always hard to talk about struggles when you're in the middle of them, because it's really, really challenging to have those, that perspective. And I, I think that we've always tried to be really honest with our own health, but then again, it's it's a much different thing when it's not us personally, it's our family. And it's a very, very different thing when you're in the middle and you're trying to figure it out. Like at that point, your only focus is like, okay, like what's going on? What can I do to fix this? And it's, it's not terribly useful typically to share with people, hey, everything's messed up and I'm trying to fix it. It's always much more useful information when you kind of got to the other side and you go, okay, this is what happened. 
this is where we're going. And I think that, you know, it's really important, I think especially for people who are new to paleo, to understand that it's not a cure-all. It doesn't make everything go away. Um, and it sometimes does require tinkering. It sometimes does require a pairing with, you know, supplements or uh, medications. You know, paleo does not mean you never see your doctor ever again in your life. Paleo is not the same as anti-conventional medicine, right? Those things can still go together. Just because we're following ancestral diet doesn't mean we need to eschew all, you know, pharmaceuticals, surgical treatments, you know, diagnostics. And paleo is not the same as, um, it's not the same as being anti-supplement. It's not the same as, um, as, you know, not using other kinds of resources, other kinds of therapies, right? It doesn't mean that you won't use an occupational therapist if the need arises or a physical therapist when the need arises, right? So, so paleo is a lifestyle and it informs a lot of the other choices we make, right? Because there's this desire to be, you know, to heal our bodies with food and with sleep and stress management and activity and all of those other lifestyle things. But it's, it's, it's a template. It's not, it's not a magic pill. And so I think it's really good. And I really respect Cole for wanting to come on to the show this week so that we can actually, um, so we can actually talk about, about this and, you know, neither one of us are ADHD experts. Um, but hopefully some of the things that you've tried and some of the research I've done can help give people some guidance in, you know, figuring out what's the best solution for their families. So I think what I, what I want to do first is talk about what ADHD is, because even like as the wife of someone who's had it for over a decade and, um, my sister has it, like it's, it, it's very prominent in our life and our family. I still didn't know about it fully until earlier late last year when I actually started to do research. So I actually thought that ADD and ADHD were two different things, but turns out that ADHD is the disorder that is kind of the parent to um, three different branches of behavioral disorders, one of which is attention deficit disorder, and one of which is impulse control disorder, which is what Cole has. Um, so when you hear someone say that they have ADD, it just means that they have the attention version of ADHD. And when we talk about ADHD, we're talking about the impulse version that Cole has. So what's the third? Is it? I think the the third branch is also this combination of the first two, which is which is also very common, right? Where you have children who are both inattentive, hyperactive, and and impulse control, which is the the kind of combination of it all. But so I actually just want to clarify that you know ADD and ADHD are are more synonymous than they are separate. And I also want to just stipulate that a lot of the mechanisms that we talk about are having to do with the impulse control, which if you've read our before story of before we went paleo, when Cole had severe ADHD um, at a very early young age, which is even like too young to diagnose, um, they were all impulse related activities, which makes a lot of sense that now later on in life where we would see it as a result of that as well. So particularly a lot of the activities and lifestyle factors that we focus on beyond just eating healthy paleo foods, um, 
and we'll talk a little bit about that, are related to helping kind of get his body under control. That's how we've always described it as his, his body and his brain don't connect, his body's out of control. And the more we kind of work with his body, the better results we see in terms of behavior. So for us, one of the things that we focused on with with paleo was a higher omega-3 to omega-6 ratio because that good soluble fat for the brain is is really um, important to make sure that um, he has that the adequate um, nourishment to function properly. And um, we sometimes will take um, fermented fish oil, but we actually um, prefer a whole foods shocker um, approach here at the house. So we've been eating a lot more fish and beef than usual. And that's actually helping me as well with my health diagnosis. And so we, one of the, one of the first things that we did was implement a higher omega-3 to omega-6 ratio in the house, less almond milk, less nuts, less, you know, trail mix and snacky foods and lunch boxes, and then more naturally omega-3 rich foods like fish and grass-fed beef. And, um, like we switched to chia, like he likes those chia pudding pod things and that kind of stuff, which, isn't like a full omega-3 profile, but is much better in terms of the omega-6-3 load than nuts or nut pudding or almond milk pudding or something would have been. So other things that we experimented with that didn't really work were dairy. We were, I was convinced that dairy needed to go and turns out from our kind of own experimentation that, you know, what we believed was our paleo template, which is, you know, butter and good quality sources of dairy on an occasional basis didn't seem to have an impact on his impulse control. What it did have a major impact in the beginning, but I think his body got to a point where it it didn't affect it anymore. And so that was kind of the, the most amount of tinkering that we were able to do with our diet to actually see results in a lot of, uh, you know, the stuff that I'd read, we were already not consuming a lot of the things that it said not to consume. So we started doing further research and, you know, Sarah was one of the people that I reached out to in the beginning because I was seeing a lot of people in the crunchy granola mom groups that I belonged in that were trying to do the same thing I was doing that were saying that caffeine was, was like a lifesaver for their kids and that they gave their kids caffeine in the morning. And I just, I I was really hesitant and and really concerned and I did research on my own um, and turns out that the rumor that caffeine stunts growth isn't true from from the research that I read and I looked into some supplements first because I thought supplementation would be a better idea and so around the same time we gave Cole like several days of, of supplementation and didn't really have that great of a response I mean he said that he felt better but it wasn't like wow I had a great day and then we did coffee in the morning and we did half a cup of, of coffee and we put grass-fed heavy cream in it, which is how we have our coffee. And we did cold brew, so he was able to kind of drink it with a straw. Unfortunately, he likes the taste of coffee, so it wasn't a big deal. We didn't have to, you know, flavor it or, or you know, any crazy things in there. And couple of days of that and it was amazing the behavior results in him so one of the signs for him is um is definitely depression 
and it had been really difficult for us to try to see Cole smile. And if you follow us on social media, you know that it's kind of an ongoing joke, but it really had gotten to the point where it wasn't funny. Like Cole wasn't smiling anymore. And it's really difficult to see your kid not be happy and, and try everything that you can to help them be happy and really struggle with that. And so within like days of implementing coffee in the morning, he was like laughing and smiling again. And also at the same time of this whole thing, we implemented no screen time because we had sufficient, really severe problems with behavior impulse control after use of video games and during use of video games. And we're talking like violence and inappropriate language and things that were just clearly displays of impulse control. And for me, it was incredibly difficult to take away something that my child loved. I mean, like he just really, really loves video games, but it's my job to help him be happy and healthy. And I could tell that it was something that was hindering him and we stuck to our guns and we had a lot of problems in the beginning with kind of sneaking and we ended up buying a safe and putting the electronics in a safe to make sure that no one would stay up all night sneaking video games and hiding iPads under pillows and and that kind of stuff. And once we got the safe, it was, it, it was amazing. Like within, you know, five days, there was, it was like a different person was in the house. Those first five days was just tantrums and, and problems and arguing and, and why can't I have it? And, you know, what have I done? And I had a good day today. So give me my video games back. And then when the answer was no, we're not having screen time anymore. Like we're, what else can I do for you? That would make you happy. Would you like to play card games? Would you like to spend time together? Would you like to read books together? Would you like to you know, go for a bike ride? Would you like to do 80 million other things? Once he realized that we were really serious and that was our answer and that we weren't going to change on it, he got over it. Video games became something he didn't think about anymore. And, and the impulse control of that obsessive nature of the video game went away. And a lot of people have asked me to talk about why we don't have video games in the house. And this is why I waited to talk about it because it was something really personal that Cole didn't want to discuss until it was behind him. And he's still very sensitive to it. We talked on the podcast uh, before the podcast started and he was really hesitant to talk about it. And he, he says, you know, he will, he doesn't want other kids to have video games taken away because maybe they don't have the same problems as, as him. And he also says, you know, well, maybe after I've been off of the screen for a little while, I can go back onto the screen and it won't affect me the same way. And that's potentially yet to be determined, but we've reintroduced screen time a couple of times in the last four month period. And each time we've had a very similar, very quick drawback into that negative behavior. So it is not something that we do. And we just, we don't talk about it as reward or punishment. It's just, it doesn't exist. And, and that goes for everybody in the house because it would be really difficult for him to see his brothers have screen time and to feel like he was being deprived. And we just feel like it's not a necessity in life. Um, we don't need video games. We don't need screens. We don't need laptops um, around for things other than, you know, what Matt and I do business-wise. So it's just not something that we've done in the house. And I think that, as well as introducing good lifestyle habits, including earlier bedtime Um, more exercising of the body, which comes naturally with less video games, right? He's more willing to go outside and play and and all that kind of stuff when there's not video games in the picture. 
that has all come together to create a different a different kid. I mean, my my family has all kind of seen him in the last few months and every single person has commented like, wow, you know, he he looks like he has, you know, a lightness about him that I haven't seen in a really long time. And wow, Cole's smiling and laughing. I haven't seen that in a long time. And, you know, that's, I can't, I'm <laughs> like tearing up again. I can't express how amazing that is. And it has nothing to do with paleo. But I really think that it's important for people to understand because a lot of people identify with our success story. And I, I want to be honest with people like, you know, in the beginning, paleo was transformational for our family. And then, you know, three years in, and, and it's very common for people I've read on the message boards and stuff to hit this wall when they go into third and fourth grade because of the change in the environment and the, and the standardized testing and stuff to have this. And of course, homeschooling could work for a lot of people in this capacity, but that wasn't something that we were wanting to jump into. Medication could work for people in a lot of this instance, but we were trying to avoid that if we could. And we were thrilled that, you know, kind of right before we hit our wall and threw our hands up and said, okay, let's, you know, go see an occupational therapist and get on medication that we kind of had a breakthrough. And, and I wanted, I want to offer that information to other people so that it can maybe help them make their own decisions about what they may or may not want to try. So you think the two, or I guess three biggest things that worked for Cole was more sleep, no screen time, which means more time outside, more moving his body, more brain stimulation and creative play. Like that, me- no screen time means a lot of also positive exactly. things added. Yeah. And then the caffeine. And actually, it sounds really weird to per- like dose your child with coffee, but that's yeah. that's basically what you were what you were doing. Do you think there was one thing more than another that was? the important part there or do you think it was kind of this like if I finally to, hitting if, the collection if I had to choose only one thing it would be no screen time like I would give up everything else and I wouldn't let screen time back in and and we've been able to kind of transition off of coffee right so like in the beginning when we were kind of feeling things out and trying really hard to do everything we were doing caffeine every day and we were doing it like medicine and then the behavior chart that was coming back from school was so positive that it was like okay let's do it every other day or let's okay, now we're going to only do it on test days. And then we kind of said to Cole, you know, you're having really great results at school. Unless you feel like you want this, we're not going to give it to you. And you can just tell us when you want it. And so sometimes in the weekend, if he's kind of crabby, if he didn't, if we let him stay up late and, you know, maybe we watched a movie together as a family or something. And then the next day he'll say like, can I have a cup of coffee? And he's learned how, you know, his body feels and he knows kind of the result of, um, if he has coffee, how much better it feels. And so he'll ask for it. But we've really kind of transitioned off of the caffeine in favor of this, you know, all of the things that you mentioned that are associated with with lack of screen time and then really utilizing this behavior chart as a positive reward system. And we tried positive reward systems before, but if you never have a positive experience, then that reward system doesn't work, right? So it was finally when we hit the sweet spot of like, lifestyle factors and caffeine um, that the behavior chart really kicked in for him and he started getting rewards from it and then it was like incentive for him to keep going but um, before that it was like the reward system was only a deterrent and a frustration for him because he would try so hard and then you know he would kind of have a really bad afternoon and and the whole thing would fall apart and then he'd just get really discouraged with it all so if there was one thing to answer a question it would definitely be the screen time that affected him the most and I would say that especially for kids 
that show like a strong interest in video games like if you're using that as a reward or kids seem to be obsessed with it and it's like you know they have to have it in their hand all the time and they freak out if you say you know we're not gonna play video games today I mean those are warning signs and and for me they it resulted in something that was really important for us to remove I mean we we did it on a whim right it was like well you know he doesn't have great behavior after video games so let's take it away and see what happens and it was really painful for you know the the first few days that we took it away and then when we saw this different person who was the kid that we remembered and the kid that we knew was in there it was like oh my gosh like that was so worth it you know to like that struggle to see him be happy again was was worth you know the, the pain of, no, we're not going to play video games. Let's do this other thing over and over and over again. And and even now, you know, it's it's hard for him because he's doing so well. And he's like, well, I'm doing well now. Can I have video games back? And that's where it's really important for us not to call it like a, you know, a punishment or a reward. It's just we're not doing that because it's not good good for us. Let's, let's do something else that we enjoy instead. So does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, it does. I think, um, why don't we bring Cole on, and then um, after we talk with Cole, maybe we can do sort of a, we can end the show with the Science of Sarah segment and talk a little bit about caffeine as a therapy for ADHD and what the research actually shows behind that. All right. So, Cole... Welcome back to the Paleo View, buddy. Yay. <laughs> is this your third time on the show, Cole? I think second. Is it your second? I think it might be his third time. I think it might be your third. Finn was quite jealous. Um, he wanted to listen and be on the podcast, too. So, well, maybe we'll have to do, like, a kid show later. But this week's a, a little bit special, Cole. What did you uh, want to talk about? Uh, in the second quarter, how... Um how my grades were bad and how I improved them. And we talked a little bit before the show and and you were worried that you might feel a little bit embarrassed telling people that you were having a hard time, but you, we want to let people know that you were trying all along. You were just having a really hard time getting your mind and your body to, to listen, right? But parents don't take away video games just because you heard this. (laughs) It's a privilege. (laughs) So you, you're worried that all the parents listening to the podcast will take video games away from their kids? Please don't do that. Just do it for a week. <laughs> I can't use them no matter what. So maybe you should talk about why we don't have screen time. Well, so like you said, when we got your report card after the second quarter, it, it wasn't so great, right? <laughs> Some of your actual grades were pretty good. We had, um, you know, like math and um, social studies you're really good at, right? Mm-hmm. But um, some of the things, especially when it came to behavior, you were having a really, really hard time with, right? Mm-hmm. And even we were having to talk with the principal and um, the teacher about some struggles that you were having, right? Yeah? Mm-hmm. Um... And we tried some new things, right? We tried you starting cello this year. We thought that might be good for you. Mm-hmm. And you have enjoyed doing cello, right? 
No, I just remembered. I forgot my cello at school again. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> you enjoy you enjoy playing cello, right? Mm-hmm. And we also tried caffeine. Right. We so that was before the second. I'm talking about before the second quarter things. Oh. That, things that didn't quite work for us, right? Where we tried to be a little more strict paleo, where we weren't doing any dairy, we weren't doing any grains. I don't think. I think I was still able to have dairy. No, we, we we did, like, two months, you might not have known it, where there was no butter or anything. Daddy wasn't cooking with any dairy at all, again, seeing if that would help. And that didn't really help either. And we tried to help your sleep. Do you remember that? We moved you to your own room. And that helped some, right? Yeah. Because you were having a hard time sleeping. And that's when Mommy and Daddy realized that it was probably your ADHD just like daddy has ADHD and he has a hard time sleeping and he has a hard time focusing and mommy and daddy did some research and we decided that we were going to try some things like daddy that works for daddy and one of by this time it was second quarter yeah yeah and one of the things that works really well for daddy is um something, something called stimulants right so daddy when he was growing up he actually took two pills a day to help his body um, focus. He didn't like that medicine when he was growing up, and he still doesn't like it as an adult, but he has a really hard time not being on it, because he's been on it his whole life. So instead of doing that, we did some other things, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that works really well that you already said was what? Caffeine. What do, What does it feel like for your body when you're on caffeine? My tongue starts burning because it's too hot. <laughs> well, other than <laughs> drinking hot coffee. Like when you when you drink cold brew. Does that help your body, or can uh, you tell people it, it how lasts, it makes you feel? It lasts, like, three hours, and then I, I have to, like, get up and down from my seat um, because it's uh, it's off, and it, it, like, wore off, and it didn't work anymore. So I, I, um, I asked uh, Mom and Dad if they could... If they could, if I could take coffee to school, and they said no, which made me sad because <laughs> I don't like getting up and down. So you can feel in your body when the caffeine stops working, right? Yeah, yeah. But in the morning, like when you have important schoolwork or like tomorrow when you have an SOL, a big test, it's it helps your body focus for that for that time until it wears off, and then. Then we were able to work with your teacher, and your teacher knows that sometimes your body needs a break to stand up and walk around, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, um, a, uh, after the conference from the second quarter, she put, she said a behavior chart, but then to third quarter, she finally made it, but she would she had made it in the second quarter for me, but it took her... Uh, another quarter? I don't know why she had it we, able we to had, print out. We had to work together as a team on that, Clay. That's why. We we were all trying hard to help you, and it took us took us a while to figure it out. We So we were all working together as a team, and, and when Mommy and Daddy finally figured out what, some of the things that were working, one of the things that we asked her about was really doing that behavior chart. One of the things that might be helpful for the listeners to know is, do you get punished from the behavior chart, or do you get rewarded from the behavior chart? I get rewarded, and I don't get punished. And now I'm asking for new rewards, like magic. Yes. That is is a new card game that I'm into. I quit Pokemon because it got boring. 
And but at first you were having a hard time because you used to have electronics as an, a reward, right? Mm-hmm. But we had some hard time getting you to not be upset after you would play any video games at all. What we call screen time is really really hard for your for your body. I think you know what happens, Cole, because I know you've had a hard time kind of figuring this out in your brain. I think that the TV and the video games they make your brain be really like overactive and then when you don't have the video games your brain kind of gets stressed out that it's like super boring when you don't have video games and tv so that's why um you have a really hard time like the day after you have some screen time so like you said we found some other things that you love that we can reward you with um family game time magic uh what else are some things that we do like Mommy dates, you love those, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember a reward that you got when we were in Florida with Russ from the Domestic Man. You should tell people about that reward. No, I don't remember. You don't remember being boozled? Oh. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. You were talking about wanting to do being boozled for like. Weeks and weeks, and it took you two weeks of behavior charts to earn. No, it took me one week, and then you said, because you use that week, you can't get the big one with the spinner. Yeah. So we just got the the little Bean Boozled set, and for people who don't know what Bean Boozled are, they're like... Go try it. We're not going to tell you what it is. Yes. Yeah, so tell them <laughs> a little bit. But it's like, um, it's like the Harry Potter jelly beans where they have all the flavors, including rotten eggs and vomit. Why'd you tell them that by that now? I'm just telling them all the things. But I'm telling them the worst ones. You you and Russ had a had a standoff, right? There's two beans in each package and one of them is No, there's more there's more than two in some But it's like there's you know, enough for like one person to have there, one, there good was one, one, one there was have a bad there was one. one peach vomit one. So we had to split it. And... Peach vomit? So it's like one, they look exactly the same. And one is peach and one is vomit. But we, cu- so... we split it open and it was green after the layer of the peach. So I was like, I'm not eating it. But, Russ, but I had Russ to. got every single bad flavor. <laughs> he didn't get a single one where he got like so, the delicious flavor. But no, but Can you sometimes... tell by the smell? Can you no. smell it? No. Mm-hmm. It just smells like sugar. That's tricky. Yeah. So it was it was a really big deal that, first of all, I mean, everybody knows we don't eat candy. Um, but it was something that Cole really wanted. And so he earned it with his positive behavior chart that he got to get a Bean Boozle pack. And fortunately, we were with Russ, who thought it was a really, really cool idea. And so Russ did it with you so that I didn't have to eat vomit jelly beans. But, but you ate one. And I got lucky with it. I got the, You got pear. Yeah, whatever. Well, yeah, pear instead of booger. <laughs> no, no, it was it was pear instead of booger. I thought you said beach, sorry. No, that's okay. So, um and so we have this positive reward behavior chart and we drink coffee in the morning. And mm-hmm. um Sarah and I are gonna talk a little bit about why coffee and and how that is or is not a good choice for kids. So you don't have to worry about that. And then um, less electronics and screen time. We even went to Florida, right? We blogged about how we drove the whole car trip down to Florida and back without any electronics. It was squishy. It was a long time in the car, but you guys did so awesome. You had fun playing paper games and um, reading books. You read a whole book. You read Hugo, that car ride. so car sick. Yeah. 
That's yeah, that's hard reading in the car. We we learned about car sickness, but um, we played all kinds of stuff instead of looking at screens, right? Mm-hmm. And it's been a lot of fun to spend time together as a family, but I was so, so proud of your third quarter report card because all those things that we all tried to work so hard on, we knew that you were feeling better because... The group work didn't go up. Your group work did go up. It just it did? Yeah, it just didn't go up. Dang two, it. It just didn't go up two grades like all the others did. Of course, some some kids, not all these things could work for them, right? I mean, we, we have to try really hard. I think that's what I want people to hear about this show is that, like, we're paleo, right? We, we write paleo books, and we're healthy. We work out. We focus. You eat salads, People should know one of your favorite vegetables is salads. Lettuce, because I ate it so much at uh, at Florida. My taste buds have gotten used to it, and it doesn't taste like anything anymore. Yeah, so, I mean, people should know you're a really healthy kid, and you were still struggling, right? Because a lot of people in the paleo community think, oh, all of these problems just go away when you're paleo. And no, I don't. I, I don't think that's what happened with you, right? We still had a lot of work to do, and it was really hard, and Mommy and Daddy and you were all trying really hard to do our very best and to make improvements, and we're still having a hard time with that. And it was really brave of you to let us try some experiments and see what would work, and we were we were really lucky that we found some things that worked for us, and the coffee and the not screen time and the sleeping good, I think, were were the biggest things, right? Getting in your own room so that you could... Because you used to share a room. And now you don't share a room anymore. And that was a big a big helper, right? I rode my bike to school and it got me energetic to... Oh yeah, that's a good one. To go to school. And I think that helps them focus. Um, focus their muscles so they, they get better control over them. So that... So they, like, so you can like make them not move. It's so, like get your get your muscles working before you go to school. Get some of that energy out. Mm-hmm. Maybe if kids can't ride their bike to school, what could be some other ideas to get their muscles out? Like some burpees. Um, I think they, if they have a bunk bed, try to do pull ups on one of the bars of your bed of the top bunk if you're on the bottom bunk or if you're on the top bunk anyway (laughs) you're you're such a strong a strong crossfit kid you're like do pull-ups on your bunk bed (laughs) or or if you can't do that uh step up and down on your um on on your ladder but if you don't have one of those uh, of a bunk bed then you should um hop up on your bed up and down uh, up and down uh, like box jumps up and down uh, if you don't know what box jumps are, you have a box, otherwise your bed, and you try to jump on it. But if you can't do that, just crawl up and down. So just find some ways to kind of get your wiggles out in the morning. Mm-hmm. And you feel like that helps you focus and be still when you're in Riding school. Riding my bike is better, even though I live not barely a block away. <laughs> I, Cole, I would love for you to kind of list all of the things that you guys are doing that is working really well. Because I think what it is is it's a collection of different strategies, right? So you've got a bunch of different things that you do to help. 
could you could you maybe make like a list? So we already talked about caffeine and biking to school and no screen time. Your mom mentioned supplements. Are you still doing no dairy? No. We we didn't find any difference in that, and I was really surprised, honestly, um, that when we had that, like, in the second quarter when we were doing no dairy, we weren't seeing any results, and of course it, it didn't come out on the report card either. Um, I, I know that that, you know, would, it is probably would work for other people, but um, I think it's just not something that um, seemed to have an effect in our kind of N equals one experiments on what was affecting Cole. Because early on, remember, you really had trouble with dairy. But the last, like, year or two, you've been able to kind of have butter and, like, occasional dairy things and it not be a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But definitely... For other people, I think, testing what, what foods work or don't work is important. So we tried supplements too, but those didn't seem to make any difference. You told me that your body felt best, that you felt different on the coffee. Uh, and plus, the pills wouldn't go down my throat. Well, you learned how to take them with a straw. Well, yeah. Yeah. So can I ask you how much coffee you have? I have... Half a mug's worth. Every day? Not every single day. We stopped doing it a few. We try to do it on important. Yeah, we try to do it on important days, like when you have tests. So about how about how often is that? Like maybe once a week. We were doing it every school day, right? I thought that what happened is that you didn't need it as much because you were supposed to be asking for it when you felt like your body needed it. And what I saw as a mom, and maybe I'm wrong, is that it seemed to me like after we'd done coffee like two or three weeks straight, like your body started to kind of... Get it. Yeah, like get under control. And then you only needed it on days when like you had to sit really still or you had a really long day or you had a test or something. And then then we were just giving it to you kind of when you needed it. Is that what you thought? Because that's what I thought. Sort of. That's not what I saw. Oh, well, what did you see? I saw you giving it to me because I needed it. Yeah. And then you stopped needing it so much, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So now, so we did maybe like what? two or three weeks of coffee every day before school? Like, back at the beginning of the third quarter? Is that what you remember? Mm. I, 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 you have to give me a heads up when I'm supposed to remember that far No, well, that's okay, Cole. You don't have to remember. That's, that's about what I thought. And then, then we started kind of doing less and less, and you were saying that you didn't need it as much, and... The thing that was a really good indicator for us was your attitude, right? Because you weren't kind of sad and crabby anymore. And then also your behavior chart. Your behavior chart from school kept coming home with really, really amazing behavior results. And so it seemed like you didn't need the coffee as much in the mornings. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So are there any other little tricks that you've 
found that really help, or do you think that's about about everything? I think so. You think that's everything? What and... do you think is the number one biggest thing? Like when you when you're feeling super crabby and you have a bad day, and you kind of look back and you say, "What went wrong? What could I have done better?" What do you think usually happens? <laughs> what if I never do that? I've seen you have crabby days. <laughs> what if I never look back at my oh. days? Well, like, one of the things that you always tell me is that if you didn't get a good meal, that, like, sometimes you get crabby and you need a snack after, right? Mm, yeah. Yeah? Uh, food helps me focus, too. Sometimes I get super, super, super crabby when I'm hungry. Yeah. I think your body's just kind of sensitive to that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you eat or if it's appropriate for if you're needing it for attention um, or to control your body in school, coffee. But the biggest things are the, the behavior chart and the exercising and the sleeping, right? Mm-hmm. We actually pushed your bedtime back. Do you remember you used to go to bed at like 8.30 or 9.00? It was 8.30, and then you pushed it back to 8.15. Yeah. But even though it was 8.30, like, you were still going to bed pretty late, usually. And so, moving your bedtime up also helped. So, better sleep. Speaking of sleep, it's pretty late. No. I do have a test tomorrow, and I just saw you yawn. Okay. (laughs) Do you want to say anything else, or say hello and goodbye to Sarah? Uh, well, good night, Cole. Thanks very much for coming on because I think that's really going to help a lot of parents and a lot of kids who listen to our show. Okay. What do you say? Good night. You're welcome. Good night. You're welcome. So I I hope that everyone understands that you just had to interview with a nine-year-old boy. <laughs> <laughs> He's so well-spoken. Like, you know, I can tell that his understanding of of you know what his challenges are and what has helped is a very like you know boy perspective and he doesn't (laughs) really have like the same the same sort of detailed understanding even even of like what the problem is like you can tell he's sort of he's frustrated that there's a problem and he he's glad there's a solution but he doesn't really like the solution because he doesn't really like that he doesn't get to have video games right but that at the same time like he's he's um He's got this, he's got a very, it's really great, I think, to hear his perspective. I think, um, I think it's going to be really helpful, especially for parents who maybe might be embarking on trying some of these strategies in their family, um, to just hear the perspective. I think it's going to be really useful. I hope so. And I, you know, I, I encourage everyone to remember that none of us are medical professionals. We've, you know, all of the stuff that I talked about and that Cole talked about are things that have worked for him. So by all means, you know, we can, we can all have experimentation, but, um, we have been working with, you know, the school and the professionals there about his behavior and what they recommend as well as, you know, kind of what we're seeing and also keeping his medical doctor in the loop as well. And fortunately we're surrounded by people who are supportive of these kind of trials and errors, But I think maybe what would be really helpful, Sarah, is if you could talk a little bit about the science of 
the caffeine situation. I don't think anybody's going to really argue that video games aren't a necessity. <laughs> and that yeah, removing I think them... actually the probably the more shocking part is giving your, you know, he's in fourth grade now. Yes. He's, yeah. So giving a fourth grader coffee in the morning before going off to school, that is a thing that I think is potentially a choice that people are not going to be very familiar with and definitely something worth talking about like the science behind that so let's let's do that let's wrap up the show with some science awesome next segment is science with sarah where i take a moment to explain the details and the whys Caffeine was actually first suggested as um, a management tool for ADHD in 1973. Um, And there's been actually a variety of studies looking at caffeine pills, looking at or looking at coffee in symptom management of ADHD. So what most adults who drink coffee on a regular basis, we drink it to, you know, wake us up in the morning, give us that little extra, you know, get up and an atom sort of boost in the morning. What most of us don't actually realize or even think about is that coffee is a psychotropic substance. And um, if you're not used to drinking caffeine, it's actually, you know, it's a stimulant, of course, but uh, it's actually also, it can cause euphoria. It, it actually will make you a little bit high. And I had this experience myself. I gave up all coffee for 14 or 15 months when I first did the autoimmune protocol. And the first time I had coffee, I felt after half a cup of coffee, I was high and I felt like I wasn't safe to drive. It was really, really like a marked experience, but we get tolerant to coffee when we have it every day. And we don't actually get that euphoria anymore. Like at best we get the inhibition of sleeping. So it's a drug that we actually become tolerant to. And it's a type of tolerance that it doesn't matter then if you increase the dose. So once you become, you know, tolerant to the effects of, of caffeine and coffee, you can have five cups of coffee one day when you normally just have one and you're still not going to get that sense of euphoria. Um, But the way that caffeine actually impacts the brain is through uh, adenosine receptors. So it blocks two different kinds of receptors, A1 and A2A. Um, And this basically, the adenosine receptor pathway is a pathway that sort of leads to sleepiness. It's part of getting the body ready for sleep at night. And so when it blocks that pathway, it basically inhibits sleepiness. And then through that, it has effects on dopamine, on noradrenaline, and on glutamate. So three other different neurotransmitter systems. And um, and so that is part of why caffeine can be potentially therapeutic in ADHD is through this action on the neurotransmitter system. So it basically acts in a similar way to a um, NDRI class of of antidepressants, so a dopamine norepinephrine reuptake inhibitor, in the sense that it it stops the reuptake of of dopamine, but it it also increases dopamine levels and increases um, dopamine receptor sensitivity. So it's basically 
turning on that pathway. And dopamine is a huge reward pathway, but it's also important in memory and in mood and all kinds of really important things. And then glutamate is interesting. because Most of us sort of understand glutamate as a stimulator when we think about free glutamate sensitivity, but glutamate is actually, you know, a normal neurotransmitter. Um, and so its um, levels are also influenced by caffeine. Um, and actually what's really interesting is it's got this like two different responses. So if you have a little bit of caffeine, the response is completely different if you have a lot of caffeine. So if you have a little bit of caffeine, it's stimulatory, but if you have a lot of caffeine, it actually turns it off and it can be um, sedating through that, just through that pathway. And then caffeine also increases the turnover of noradrenaline. So that means it's um, basically increasing um, the activity of uh, noradrenic, noradrenergic, let me try that word again, noradrenergic neurons. Um, and so that's also part of the stimulatory effects of caffeine, but also the mood enhancement, the euphoria. So, you know, this is how caffeine, caffeine is, has, it's actually really diverse effects on the brain. And so in the early 1970s um, was the first studies using coffee um, and caffeine pills as drugs for ADHD. And what's really happened in, you know, the, gosh, uh, 40, over 40 years since, is there's been a pretty large collection of really small-scale studies, so studies on 14 or 15 patients. They're not placebo-controlled. They're not um, double-blind. So it's, you know, give some kids some caffeine and do various um, measurements of their behavior and see what happens. But there have been now, and there is enough data among all those studies to start doing things like meta-analysis and start pitting caffeine against um, the more classic stimulant drugs for ADHD. So something like um, methylphenidate, which I think is, is like the most classic ADHD medication. And when you pit caffeine against uh, methylphenidate, what you get is that caffeine's not quite as good. Now, methylphenidate comes with all kinds of side effects, and it's, it's fairly typical for the side effects to be bothersome, and the side effects are why, you know, a, a fraction of the kids who go on it don't tolerate it and go off of it. So uh, caffeine doesn't have the same kind of list of side effects as, um, as uh, MPH does. So, so it, it actually, in these studies, is shown to be not quite as good um, as the stimulant medications. However, they're also been shown to be way better than no treatment. And so they look at things like the teacher's um, behavior ratings of the kids. They look at children's aggression. They look at um, the parents' um, reportings on impulsivity. Um, so it's specifically actually um, good for impulsivity um, and, and, and aggression, but also a whole pile, of, even like psychomotor skills. So, you know, the ability to control the body and control fidgeting and, you know, ticks and things like that. Um, so caffeine has been shown in the scientific literature to 
provide a benefit. Um, what's really interesting is low dose seems to be better than high dose. So most of the papers use 150 milligrams um, in kids, which is about like a cup and a half of coffee. That's actually a pretty substantial dose. They have there haven't been studies that have gone you know from you know, 15 milligrams up to 300 milligrams at different doses and, and compared to see if there's what the perfect range is. Um, but definitely high doses don't seem to be any, any better. And then what's really interesting about the research is there's some indication that going on caffeine for a period of time can, can um, correct some neurotransmitter problems. And then the child can wean off the caffeine and still continue to have benefits. And then there's the other effect of becoming tolerant to caffeine and no longer getting the benefits of the caffeine, kind of the way adults don't get high every time they drink coffee. Um, and we just sort of feel slightly more awake and we like the flavor, right? Like that I think is a pretty standard grown up description of their morning coffee. So what's really interesting is there's both sides and it's really not clear whether or not it's better to do a course with, you know, every day and it measured at different times. So you're kind of, you know, like, you know, dosing over, over the course of the day, the half-life of caffeine in the blood um, is between two and a half and four and a half hours. So, you know, for kids with higher metabolism, it's probably closer to the short end of that. So you'd be looking at, you know, giving a little dose of caffeine sort of every three hours or so throughout throughout the early half of the day and then stopping so that you can get it out of the system so the kids can sleep. Um, but again, that, that protocol has not been tested in the scientific literature. It's just a, you know, what, the, what scientists are basically saying is we think this would be good. And so there's a group of scientists that are talking about the need for more rigorous studies. Looking at caffeine is a really legitimate option. Um, so there's just enough preliminary data. There's some, animal studies that kind of explain how it can be working. Um, and definitely the animal models of ADHD, it's um, very, very effective. So there's just this group of this group of studies showing, hey, there's something really cool going on here. But then everything's small scale, like it, there's no, there's no placebo, there's no, you know, there's no randomized controlled clinical trials here. So it really is right at that phase of now we need to go and do a really rigorous clinical trial and really like iron out these details. So those details don't exist in the scientific literature right now. Um, what's really interesting is the suggestions in the scientific literature to go do caffeine holidays or drug holidays um, altogether. So actually stopping potentially any stimulants for ADHD. Um, and it's basically because the brain can, maybe in some people, like it's, still really not clear, sort of become um, sort of, you know, at the same time dependent on these drugs, but also resistant to the effects. And so with caffeine, it's why we have this tendency to sort of gradually over time increase our intake. Um, the same thing is happening at least in some of the studies with ADHD kids so that it works for a period of time and then they become sort of caffeine resistant and then they're no longer getting those benefits. And then again, as I already mentioned, there's other studies showing that you get this sort of like, oh, this sort of, um, the brain gets used to what it's supposed to be doing. And so as you go off it, the brain now knows what to do. Um, and that's actually seen in other um, 
interventions for neurotransmitters, right? So that's seen in depression, right? You go on antidepressants, you retrain the brain what's normal for neurotransmitters, and then you can wean off the antidepressants and the brain will figure it out. So that's one thought of what's going on here. So it's really unclear at this point. Um, but, um, but there is some um, science, you know, there's, there's a few dozen studies that are showing that it's definitely something that's worth trying. I would always recommend talking to your pediatrician before trying something like this. Um, and I'd always recommend, you know, close monitoring. Um, but, uh, but there's, there's some good science to support it. Awesome. So I think it's interesting. A couple of things that you said, um, are things that I didn't specifically know about the science that seem validated in what Cole is saying, which is uh, two and a half to what'd you say four hours and two and a half to four and a half hours. Yeah, yeah and he, he says that the the effects start to to wear off on him in about three hours, which makes sense because, like you said, kids metabolism, all that kind of stuff. And um, I I think one of the things that you mentioned also was that you can kind of taper off and still see the benefits, which is another thing that that we've seen and also makes me feel a lot better to know that I'm not giving my kid coffee every day. Cause I mean, even though I did the research and there's nothing specifically terrible about it, it also isn't something that I would like. I, I don't want any of us ever, not my family, your family to, you know, kind of be dependent on a substance if they don't need to be. And so um, I think it's, it's interesting that you found that also in the scientific literature. Cause that's another thing that, um, just kind of naturally gradually happened for us that I was, you know, kind of thrilled about. Um, it also seems to be, so developing that tolerance, it's, it seems to be, and again, like the, the science is really still, still sparse, but it seems to be the higher dose you do, the more likely you are to develop that tolerance. And probably because, because it interferes with the adenosine pathway, probably what's happening when you're doing these chronic high doses is you're probably then, upregulating adenosine receptors. So you're basically, you know, it's, it's sort of a hormetic effect, right? You're, you, you know, cause a stress on the body. So the body adapts, but in that case, you're adapting in a way that means that then you, you're no, you're that drug's no longer doing anything. Caffeine, caffeine being the drug in this case. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for doing the science and, um, and also kind of doing the science for me several months ago. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Yep. I don't mind. Um, it was, you know, this label, tell me every single scientific study on every single ingredient in this label. And now compare it to this label and this label. I know. And then we ended up not actually using the supplements, but as, as everyone can imagine, it's quite overwhelming to be faced with, you know, 50 million different ideas of people saying what works for them on the internet. And if you think that, you know, coffee is dramatic, if you Google this stuff, you, you will see that coffee is like the least dramatic of some of the things that people are doing. And I really think that it, you know, for us, it was, it was kind of that last ditch effort. Like we've, you know, we've tried all these things and, um, the worst that's going to happen is like you said, we're going to put them on medication that we know, um, will help because that's what it's made for. And it helps Matt but we didn't want to do that. So to us, it was like the lesser of two evils to go with coffee. And, um, fortunately it, it worked and we will continue to, 
you know, monitor that behavior chart. And I think it's interesting that some of the scientific results that you were looking at were based on um, behavior ratings and school because that is the the absolute gauge for us right like his we're not there and his behavior in a classroom when he needs to sit still and listen is entirely different than when we are home and he's on his you know his own schedule and stuff like that and so I think for some people that that can be resolved with homeschooling um and some lifestyle factors I, I just think that this journey is entirely different for everybody and I hope that if anything you know we've inspired people to try to have faith and courage in doing this stuff and knowing that you um, you may or may not see results, but that it can be worth trying and that, you know, sometimes it can feel really overwhelming and like no matter how hard you try, you're not succeeding. Um, I've been there and, you know, the, the best advice that I can offer is to just, you know, keep reaching out, find a community, talk to people about what's worked for them try some of the things that um, sound like they might work for your family. And and I, I wish everybody the best. And I, I hope that if nothing else, even if you don't have anyone in your life with ADHD, that this can be a good concept for people to understand that um, paleo is not the end all be all of every solution that could ever happen for somebody. And that, you know, our kids eat vegetables and incredibly healthy food and are paleo and you know, beyond just gluten-free, like they are, you know, 90-10 paleo and that 10 is still gluten-free. So I think this, this understanding that there can sometimes be a need for more. And when there are people in your life that are going through these struggles, if it's not you, please have patience with them, help them have courage and, and try to have understanding and empathy for how very overwhelming and stressful it is to be a parent and watch your child struggle with some of these things and to feel so absolutely out of control and know that your child wants desperately to do well. Your child doesn't want to, you know, not perform well in school and to be a nuisance. That's the last thing that they want. So, you know, trying to solve these problems can, can be, um, really difficult. So just, you know, have, have some patience with, with those in your life who might be going through the struggle. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.